0: Hi, i'm kelly evans host of cnbc's the exchange this is conversations with kelly where i take a deep dive with an expert on a topic i'm particularly interested in my guest today is toby rice the ceo of eqt corp they are i believe the biggest u.s natural gas producer and the price of natural gas has been a major focus lately it surged into december then it tumbled now it's rallied again in january although we're still nowhere near what europe is paying Senator Elizabeth Warren has blamed these price spikes on corporate greed, and Toby has responded forcefully to those claims. The real issue, he warns, is that the U.S. needs its natural gas industry more than ever. So with all of that, Toby, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Kelly.
0: Am I correct, by the way, about you being the biggest producer?
1: Uh, Yes, that is correct. EQT is America's largest natural gas producer. Um, Gross production level is around 6 BCF of, of gas per day and current U.S. market production is around 94 BCF of gas a day.
0: Wow, all right. So it's still a pretty fragmented market. Can you also give us a quick sketch on the company and and your career?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I I think um, one thing that's really important is just understanding really what's driving us. Um, I started a a, a business called Rice Energy with my brothers um, back in 2007, it's called Rice Energy. And we wanted to get into the oil and gas industry, uh, because we wanted to help bring energy independence to the United States. And, um, that company founded it in, out of an apartment in Pittsburgh, um, quickly grew to large public company. Um, and where we had over 500 employees executing, a uh, you know, over, over a billion dollar CapEx program. And, um, you know, we we ultimately sold that company to EQT um, for for around the ten billion dollar enterprise value. If you uh, look at the upstream business, Rice Energy, and the midstream business, RMP, um, so it was an incredibly successful venture. Extremely fortunate to have the opportunity to do that. You know, but when we sold, um, you know, we stepped back and thought about you know what were we going to do next. And mm-hmm. for me, it's all about. Uh, impact and, and what can we do to make a, an impact on this world and recognized that if you want to make an impact on the world, one of the most important, influential things you can do is give people access to energy. The more energy people consume, the better the quality of life. Uh, simply put, the longer they live. Um, and so for me, um, making an impact on the world was going to be you know giving people more access to energy. And, you know, with EQT, they had some issues uh, operationally and shareholders asked me to get back involved in, in 2018, we sold our business in 2017, So 2018, um, we, we, uh, we, we actually ran a a pretty aggressive proxy contest, uh, not fun to do that, but, uh, (laughs) you know, over 80% of the shareholders announced, uh, supported our plan, uh, you know our seven directors got nominated to the 12 person board and and they made me CEO. And we've been uh, on a journey of, you know, our mission at at EQT, you know, started by just simply realizing the full potential of our assets um, to become the operator of choice for, for our, for our stakeholders. And uh, we've done tremendous things. You know, we've, we've eliminated, we've pulled over $700 million of annualized costs out of this business completely transformed the way that we operated from, you know, small scale shale operations. We're now doing large scale combo development where instead of drilling four wells off of at one time, we're drilling up to 20 wells sequentially. So really leveraging the scale that we have at EQT. And, um, you know, we've done some smart acquisitions. Um, we, we've, we've added about 25%, or about one and a half BCF of, of gas production to our asset base, uh, hundreds of thousands of acres, um, and so we've improved the economics and got enough, got extended our inventory. We've got a deep inventory so that we can do this um, for for decades in the future. The um, the one thing I would say is it's a very simple value proposition that we have with EQT. Um, it, it starts by understanding our costs, so we we can start generating free cash flow at a at a cost of at a NYMEX price of two dollars thirty cents. Mm. Um, every penny that we receive in NYMEX above that breakeven cost is going to translate. To 20 million dollars of free cash flow, um, and so pick your price of gas, subtract our our, our break-even cost, and that's that's how you get our free cash flow profile. Wow. And so it's 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 pretty robust and um, something that I'm extremely excited about as a shareholder. Um, but the 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 going forward, there's a there's a tremendous opportunity, not just from a monetary perspective, but to to, to actually make an incredible impact on the world. And, you know, thanks to, to Elizabeth Warren for making this, a, a, giving us a, a, a public platform to express our position. Um, you know, natural gas prices, despite the profitability of these companies, natural gas prices have never been cheaper for the American consumer. We, we, we benefit from, America benefits from the lowest energy costs in the world, thanks to U.S. shale and companies like EQT. Um, and, you know, the, the really exciting thing is you know, natural gas uh, actually is the biggest green initiative on the planet. And our letter to Elizabeth Warren, you know, highlighted those two, those two major points. And uh, it's gotten a a, a buzz that, that people are really excited about.
0: Let me ask you one more background question before we delve into that. And is, was Pittsburgh an unlikely place to start an energy company or was there proximity to shale activity in Pennsylvania?
1: Um, well, historically, you know, what's funny is the Appalachian, I mean, the first, the oil and gas industry was born in, in Pennsylvania in 1859 when, when Colonel Drake drilled the first well. Um, so that started in Pennsylvania, but um, for years, the Appalachia was really just your old legacy conventional, small, shallow well development. Um, when, before the Marcellus Shale took off, uh, gas production in the basin was called around two BCF of gas a day. Um, so very small and now production in the basin, thanks to unlocking the Marcella Shale and the Utica right next door in Ohio, um, is, is producing over 33 BCF of gas a day. And think about that. We've done that in less than 15 years. It's absolutely amazing uh, success story of wow. the one, the energy resource we have here domestically into, um, you know, the, the, the low cost, environmentally friendly way that we can operate.
0: So I actually grew up. I grew up in a couple of different places, but it, from about the time I was four years old until twelve years old, I grew up in a town called Marcellus, New York, and it's a teeny, teeny, tiny place with maybe one flashing stoplight. My question is: Is there a reason why that whole region, which could really use, you know, an economic fillip right now, could they be? you know, an important piece of the US shale industry if the politics allowed for it, or are they geographically not part of the richness of the resource area that you're describing?
1: So the Marcellus shale actually extends up into um, New York. Um, so, you know, geologically um, there is potential for, for, for commercial economic shale development up there. Um, but yeah, like, like you mentioned, um, having having the resource is one thing. Having a political system and in support um, to um, to extract that resource and capture those benefits um, is a whole nother story. And New York has has made the decision to ban fracking, um, and they've they've shut down pipelines going through their state. And so so Kelly, I mean, you think about this; it's really a, an amazing story when you think about the the tremendous benefits. Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Ohio is benefiting from because of the Marcellus Shale in the natural gas industry and supporting our industry, um, millions of jobs, billions of 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 uh, tax tax impact revenue being generated. Um, but you know, it, mo- most importantly, this benefit, the, the natural gas prices here in Pennsylvania. You know, right now as we stand, gas prices around three dollars and fifty cents here in Pennsylvania. In New York. Uh, gas prices are $10. Go further east in Boston, natural gas prices are over $20. And then you go further east into into international waters and natural gas prices are 25. Now, what's causing that? It's uh, anti-industry, anti-pipelines, anti-infrastructure is keeping us from getting a very low cost energy source, natural gas, to the markets and it, it's it's you know, eye-opening when you get a letter from somebody in, in Massachusetts saying, hey, you're price gouging, actually, it's not the amount of production. Prices here in, in Pennsylvania are low. They're high in, in your areas because of, not because of us, because we don't have enough pipelines. We would love <laughs> to produce more. We would love to ship more, more gas to New England, and, and we need to get through New York to do that. Um, but this is a, a self-inflicted problem that can be easily remedied.
0: You know, it's interesting you raised that point because I just recently was doing some research on this and realizing there's very skimpy pipeline in the Northeast and the Northeast is actually potentially heading into a real energy crunch on the natural gas front, which again, natural gas is about 40% of US heating, probably about 40% of electricity supply. So in each region, it can vary from that, but it's incredibly important and they don't have a great stockpile. They don't have a lot of pipelines to your point. And because of various issues with the Jones Act and transporting LNG cargos from, you know, our Gulf uh, in getting them up to, let's say, the Boston area, there are no U.S. LNG ships that can actually do that. So then they have to turn to ships from literally like Trinidad and Tobago <laughs> to bring LNG in at a very high cost. And it's really not funny. I mean, it's a very alarming situation. I don't know how it can be remedied because obviously I don't think anybody's looking in, looking to lay some natural gas pipelines up there right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, Kelly, you you hit it. It, It's, you know, not only is Boston experiencing, you know, $20 gas prices when in an area where we have sufficient pipelines in Pennsylvania, we're paying, you know, seven times less than that. (laughs) Um, They're also exposed to international LNG prices because they have to, they're actually the only place in the country that imports uh, LNG. And so, you know, they're getting exposed to that $25 price tag right now, which, as you remember, was, $50 Fifty dollars, um, not not too long ago, um, a couple, a few weeks ago, um, and, and and what's really insane about this is they're moving gas from Trinidad to Bago and Russia. This gas is coming three thousand miles away, <laughs> when we've got the biggest natural gas deposit three hundred miles away in Pennsylvania, um, and. To connect that that opportunity just requires a little bit more pipelines to do that, um, which this industry can do, and we can we can finance this, won't cost the taxpayers a dime. Um, but, you know, this is a great example of some really crazy things that are happening in energy that just make no sense. Well, and uh, that have but- geopolitical implications. I mean, if, if the Northeast is relying on LNG
0: shipments from Russia at a time when we're in this really delicate situation with them and you know, not that gives them tremendous political power that of course, you know, I'm sure they're aware of. So with, let me pivot as I sort of raised that topic to also ask you about the environmental and, and health problems here, because as supportive as I am of us needing a vibrant natural gas industry, I'm also at the point where I'm about to tell my husband, we need to get an induction stove because we we shouldn't have a natural gas one. And I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have put in the natural gas fireplace. And now we have this natural gas generator. And, you know, I'm just becoming more aware of, this is a lot of energy that we're expending. and We don't really need to be, you know, a lot of uh, fossil fuels that we're still burning. So I kind of understand why people are like, oh, we don't really want, you know, the methane emissions from the pipelines, or we're worried about this and that, like, I I get that, but I also understand why it's so crucial. I'm just curious how you would respond.
1: Yeah, I think if people have concerns over the environment, um, they need to understand that the United States is the world leader in lowering CO2 emissions. And we've lowered emissions by over, you know, 970 million tons, um, more than any other country in the world. And the reason for that is because of natural gas. So, in in, in specifically, the, what's happened is we've replaced coal-fired power generation with natural gas-fired power generation. So, if you're concerned about the environment, you should be embracing natural gas. Now, the questions, um, the, the questions about well, what about the production of natural gas? Is that clean? You know, we get a lot of challenges now um, about methane emissions, and you know, this is something that this industry. Um, is going to address. We're doing it here at EQT, um, and it's evident. It, it's evident by you know the fact that EQT, America's largest natural gas producer, is going to be net zero on a scope one and scope two basis um, by 2025. So if we can do it, that means that we're going to have to shut off the methane emissions and also um, lower the emissions from our from our operations. Um, so that that in itself will will put the environmental concerns. To, to bed as far as how this gas is produced but you know kelly in, in the past let's just remind you guys you know this industry the public needs to understand the oil and gas industry is probably the most heavily scrutinized industry in the world um so it's not like this the work that we're doing isn't being scrutinized and there's always been concerns over our operations and there should be and there should continue to be questions about what we're doing um we embrace transparency but just remember, you know, in, in the past 10 years ago, people were concerned about hydraulic fracturing. Um, guess what, you know, the, the, um, the EPA came out with a report in 2015 that said fracking is safe. It does not pollute groundwater, does not impact um, the environment. So that was a concern that was put to rest. Um, then people were concerned about the environmental impacts with pipelines and, and Secretary Granholm has come out and said, pipelines are the most effective uh, form of moving uh moving products so that's been put to rest now we're talking about methane emissions and there's no doubt this industry is going to knock these out Um, you know today um you know we just announced that eqt has over four bcf of our gas production certified and and this is these gas certifications come in we're bringing in third-party auditors to basically look at what we're doing and you know confirm the measurements that we're saying um, that, that support the natural gas is environmentally friendly. You know, what that means is over 5% of the the gas produced in the United States is now certified and our industry, the way people are moving, I, there's a lot of companies that are going to certify all of their gas. So we're going to have not only say show that we're doing it, but there's going to be, it's going to be verified so that you can have comfort knowing that when you turn on your natural gas fireplace, you are doing a good thing for the environment. Um, and you're supporting an industry that is going to be the biggest green initiative on the planet because we're gonna do what we did here in the United States, replacing coal with clean burning natural gas. We have a tremendous opportunity on a world stage where you know half of the emissions that people coming in the world come from foreign coal. And so it's a tremendous opportunity. And we have a resource here in the United States, US natural gas in the form of LNG that can eliminate the biggest source of emissions on the planet. That's why we say, US energy is the biggest green initiative on the planet and the opportunity is is big and you know we're moving with a sense of urgency to, to connect our well, clean gas with the market.
0: Yeah, and I do think people need to, you know, appreciate that the reason why our emissions are down overall by by coin I think it's like 15% from their peak is because of the success of natural gas in displacing some of the, you know, the more heavily emitting stuff. Um, This week, the Biden administration just approved uh, this big lease of uh, ocean area for giant wind farms. These are, I think, going to be a Northeast initiative. And I wonder if what they're doing is basically trying to acknowledge the energy crunch that's looming and say, we're going to try to solve it by bringing online all these wind farms that could, I mean, look at what's happening in the UK, where there's Mm -hmm. tons of wind power. It's actually pretty cost competitive. They haven't solved the intermittency issue but do you think that's what they're trying to do here is is quickly ramp up the renewables piece of this so that they feel like they aren't turning back to something like natural gas to solve this energy gap
1: yeah it's um i'm going to say something that's going to be very controversial (laughs) um but just to put things in perspective you know the uk has reduced emissions over the last 15 years by 206 million tons. The United States has reduced emissions by 970 million tons. Okay, so the, what we've done here in the, U, U, in the US is four times, be, four times more impactful than what's happened in the UK. The reason for US is because of natural gas. That's, that's the majority of the emissions reduction is coming from natural gas. During that period of time, Kelly, India and China, just two countries have increased their CO2 emissions by almost 6 billion tons. So what we've done here in the US is offsetting a billion tons and China and India have increased their emissions by 6 billion tons. So this is the controversial thing. Doing more windmills here in the United States doesn't matter on a world stage. It will drop our emissions and it will help there, but it doesn't matter if china and india are going to be continuing to burn coal and increase global emissions now what stops what stops them from what do we need to be focused on it's not just it's not just looking at what we're doing within our borders we need to look at what can we do to solve a global problem and that is replacing foreign coal and we have natural gas we need to unleash our natural gas resources here and send that to offset emissions rise that's happening in 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 the world and just to give you put this in context you know if if to offset if we could offset the uh just the new coal uh powered generation that's going to take place in china that would require about 20 bcf a day of gas supply to do that if we do that that would have the environmental impact that is greater than all the environmental impacts that we get from the domestic us renewables industry so from an environmental perspective so yes i think we should continue to to do green solutions here in the, in the united states but we also need to launch the biggest green initiatives that we have here on a world stage and we can't export windmills we can't export solar we can't export nuclear but what we can export is u.s natural gas and is the most scalable most cost effective and greenest form to to influence global emissions on a world stage.
0: How big do you think the natural gas industry could get if things go the way you potentially see them playing out?
1: It's, it, well, the opportunity is absolutely tremendous. Um, you know, foreign coal oh. is, is is would, would require, to re- retire all of that, would, would give us an opportunity of over 400 BCF a day of, of gas supply to offset some of that coal. Um, that would be a market that's four times larger than the us market today. Um, and you say, well, is that feasible for us to make an impact here? And the answer is yes. Um, look at what we've done in the United States in unle- unlocking these shale r- reserves in the production growth that we've been able to do. Um, you know, in the last, in the last 15 years, we've increased our gas supply by over 40 BCF a day. That's tremendous. And that just shows you the scalable aspects of this. And, you know, To solve this big problem, natural gas is the, US natural gas is the only scalable solution that can meet the the climate ambitions that people have set out. And, you know, Kelly, the one thing, if people are concerned about the environment, they need to be concerned about like timing matters. And, um, you know, we don't have 50 years or a hundred years to build solar and windmills and figure out the battery situation and address the intermittency, Um, you know, Speed matters and, and we know that natural gas is ready today. So we just need to start building more pipeline infrastructure, more LNG facilities, and, and at least arrest the impacts of climate change. And um, mm-hmm. just, just for your reference, every BCF of, of gas a day that we can put on the water and replace foreign coal is gonna translate to 30 million tons of methane emissions. So our company at EQT, and this is what people don't realize, our company at EQT, we produce about six BCF a day gross. We have a carbon footprint that's negative 180 million tons. If you assume that the gas that we're producing is, is being used to displace coal, which is, which is as long as we're burning coal in the modern world, um, we, we, we're making that argument. And um, there's, a tremendous more opp- there's a tremendous opportunity in front, in front of the US industry, our US politicians to influence on a, on a world stage.
0: One last question about all this, and I kind of want to dig into the stock price a little bit, but why would China ever say, yeah, sure, we'll go ahead and be reliant on shipments of US LNG?
1: Well, one, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be the cheapest form of energy. Um, and if they are serious about lowering their emissions, you know, uh, replacing coal should be at their top priority. Um, and and the, other, the, other, the other opportunity here is, you know, there's a really neat trade opportunity between the United States and China. You know, China has, um, China China produces over 70% of the world's solar panels. Uh, The United States wants to be a big customer of solar panels. We can give natural gas to China, they can give us solar. And instead of the American taxpayer bearing the burden of (laughs) putting in these green grids, um, you know, we can use capitalism and free markets to take a major environmental resource that we have in the US, deliver it to international countries like, like China and exchange for solar panels. Guess what? If we do that, Kelly, we can, do, we can keep continue to, to put you know, z- zero carbon solar and wind on our grids, and it's not gonna cost the taxpayer diamond. Actually, when you think about it like that, it's gonna be the fastest way for us to reach our, 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 our uh, climate ambitions.
0: So let's talk about EQT shares for a second because you're, look, I mean, energy as a sector is up 15 percent to start the year. That's in like two weeks, right? It's absolutely flying. People are totally salivating over the prospects for equity return and share price appreciation, and that, again, both for oil and for gas and all the rest of it. But if we go back and, and put EQT shares in context, you know if I look back towards like 2018, in some ways, you know you're around 23 today, you know, the shares were in the 20s for some part of 2018, you know, maybe a little bit lower than that towards the end of the year. Why do you think that they still haven't gone back to where they were in, say, 2013, when they were almost triple the level that they're trading now?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, we're certainly in a, a much different place now. I think um, concerns with 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 climate change, you know, th- th- there's there's people that think that oil and gas companies are not going to be relevant you know, 10 years from now. Um, And and the reality is the world is, is, you know, still over 80 85% of the energy consumed in the world is due to is coming from hydrocarbons. Um, We're not going to replace, you know, the over 200 years of investments in hydrocarbon infrastructure with alternatives, the world, we just don't, it's just not going to happen. So that, that mentality, I think is, as sort of, um, you know, resulted in sort of lower multiples. I think you look at industries like, like coal, um, you know, they, these guys traded a one to two multiple, it's just an example of, of people's mentalities when they, they don't think believe in the longevity of the business, but, you know, we are in a, 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 a new era of shale and, and the sustainable shale era is what we call it. And in this era, you know, the things that are that are valued is free cash flow generation, net zero emissions, returning it, returning, bulletproof leverage low, lowering lower really bulletproof balance sheets um and then return of capital to shareholders and companies like eqt you know we really check the box across all of those fronts and we we were really excited about the plans we have here and then i think you know when we start talking about you know natural gas and the use the role it plays in addressing you know people's concerns about the environment um that unlocks a tremendous um demand signal for natural gas and i think with that um, you know we saw tremendous demand in the past and there was some growth that followed that um, this is exactly i think another another situation playing out but you know one thing that's different now this industry i think has shown to be disciplined we're not just going to chase short term price signals what we what we need to do is we need to we'll, we will chase demand signals this this industry will step up and meet the needs of the, the needs of the country we just need more support to say U.S. LNG is the biggest green initiative on the planet. We will support your pipelines. We will support your LNG infrastructure. We will, you know, help make relationships with the international parties to influence um, international trade using net, using LNG. And the production, the demand response from that, or sorry, the demand from that is something that this industry is, is more than capable to meet um, and I think when you get to that situation, it's, it's the the valuations will improve over and above like the compelling investment opportunity that, that we see today.
0: So two final questions. And the first is, where do you think, and again, we all know, I know even your company struggled to predict the price of natural gas, where it's headed, but gut feel, do you think we're going to be secularly higher for here, for the U S or do you think that production is going to continue to come online and keep a ceiling on prices around where we are now.
1: I think you're seeing some discipline um, on on this. I think. So I I think all to say, you know, we've, we've seen natural gas prices. I mean, is, is, is like 2020 gas prices got down to two bucks. Um, I don't think we're, we're in that world. Um, I think, you know, current gas prices for Cal 22 is around $4 and 23 it's around 350 and going forward, you know, it's around $3 now. So I think that that $3 is the, is the new floor. Um, but, you know, we, we think that the opportunity here is just because we think that there's such a big demand signal for natural gas to address climate change needs. And also, you know, equally as important, address the energy poverty issues of people around the world um, are, are going to create a pull on, on the product. And as long as we're, you know, respectful of the supply-demand fundamentals, um, I think we're going to see brighter futures for natural gas. And, and the one thing I would say, Kelly, is like you look at what's happening right now in the world. Um, you look at like it seems like every day we're reading a story about, you know, about energy, about what's going on in Europe and how they have, you know, their their gas, their their gas storage is at fifty, the tank levels are at 50%, their gas storage levels. And people are worried about energy. And you know, it's not just when we talk about energy security, it's not just getting energy to the 3 billion people around the world that don't have enough access to electricity to run a refrigerator. OK, we're talking about, you know, energy security for developed nations like like what people in Europe where they've had, you know, they're they're developed nations that have because of anti hydrocarbon policies, anti pipelines, anti fracturing, anti hydraulic fracking. Um a push away from securing their domestic uh production supplies you know they've thrown themselves into energy poverty and you know this is one of the this is a cautionary tale for us in the united states because you know europe is a good example of how you can have energy security but then it can go away rapidly i don't want to see that happen here in the u.s and and You know, natural gas is going to help people in Europe. It's going to help continue to support our energy uh, security here in the U.S. And and it's a tremendous opportunity to do more around the world.
0: So the final question is, what are your personal goals? Either for EQT, you know, I don't know if it's a share price number or kind of a, you know, seeing the company and what you've described on sort of the cost front and everything else is is quite remarkable already. Um, I don't know if it's certain market share or you know, if it's something completely different from that, you know, but what, what is sort of the, the end point for you here career-wise?
1: Kelly, it, it, for me um, and for, for EQT, I mean, our higher purpose, this, this is what drives us. Um, our higher purpose is to, is to deliver evolved energy to eliminate energy poverty and uh, arrest climate change. Um, you know, that's, that's the goal and, and, at EQT, you know, for my career, um, EQT is a, is an amazing platform to do just that and do it on the, on a, on a, um, on, on, on the big, on the biggest platform here in the U S uh, and listen, you know, we're going to do things the right way. And, you know, with the undertone of us wanting to be the operator of choice for all stakeholders, that means we're going to, we're going to have to, um, deliver, deliver energy cheaper, um, lowering, lowering our costs, continue to find ways to do that. Um, do it greener, you know, our net zero initiatives, capturing on capturing that, going to be tremendous um and you know with our return of cap and then returning excess profits back to our shareholders um you know is gonna is gonna create a lot of value for our shareholders but it's all driven by the higher purpose and and wanting to simply put do something we're not just digging holes in the ground to make a profit um you know we're trying to get this energy to, to raise the standard of living for billions around the world and you know, arrest, cl- arrest climate change and make it make the biggest impact on the biggest uh, what I think is is the biggest one of the one of the bigger um, concerns that people have around the world, which is how do we address climate change and meet the energy needs of the people?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll leave it there, Toby. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kelly. And thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to follow the exchange podcast and catch our show live weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern only on CNBC. See you then.
1: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. a leading global asset manager.